0: Welcome to the Naija Chuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Caymans. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we begin our discussion on the founder of Bagua the great Dong Hai Chuan. We look at a couple different versions of Dong Hai Chuan's life from various sources, his background, his training, um, how he became the imperial trainer at the palace. Uh, Then we take a look at Andrea Falk's book and a little bit from Frank Allen's book on the Bagua Zhang classics, the 36 songs and the 48 methods. Uh, These are Bagua Zhang's sort of classic um, songs or stories about Dong Chuan's teaching. So we're going to take a look at a few of those. And in this week's Patreon episode, we're going to begin a series on the eight energy bodies of Taoism. So, this is the sort of follow-up to the spiraling energy body thing where we talked about spiraling. Now, we're going to break down the different layers of energy that exist in the body. So, the first one will be on the physical body, the physical energy body. And then we will do the other seven as we go. So, I hope you check that out. hope you enjoy the episode and take care of yourself.
1: Welcome to the Nei Chuan Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We've been talking a lot about the martial art Zhang over the last few months, and now we've gotten to the last master and the greatest master of all, Dong Aichuan, the creator, the founder, the originator of Bagua. We've touched upon Dong Aichuan quite a few times over the course of the year because he's just the figure that all of Bagua flows back to. And and as the schools have split apart, we've talked about that sort of since World War II era, you see Bagua spreading around the world and becoming a lot of styles, but in a sense, when Master Dong was teaching in the 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, that wasn't that all that long ago. So we've got uh, Bagua was one school fairly recently, and I think that's kind of one of the themes of our podcast, right? We've been talking about all these different schools, right, but so many of them have similar principles, yeah, and what, I mean
0: just in comparison to something like Shingi that's been around for you know thousand years or whatever, it's but, like you've got multiple generations, and you know Dungai Chuan was you know wasn't that long ago. You can trace it back directly through like three or four people, you know, right? to them. So you know, just it's a different kind of uh, time
1: frame in terms of the lineage. And it seems like all the masters we've talked about this season have interacted with each other on some level and some of them were actual new Dongachan himself so you got a very uh there's still a core maybe it's similar to Aikido in the sense that the founder lived in a recent time so the 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 web that grows out of him hasn't had a thousand years or whatever yeah definitely grow. I mean I think in terms
0: of parallels Aikido is probably the closest
1: yeah where sort one sort of eccentric master started it all and then it grew on its own and continued to uh yeah and the sort of parallel there of like the it's a little bit mystical and mm. you
0: know it has elements of things that existed before but other things that are
1: clearly unique to it you know so I think it's just there's like, a little spiritual side to it of mystery and deeper meaning behind it so I think that helps keep it alive too I, that's why I was attracted to it I always liked the eight trigrams and stuff so I'd say that marketing hook has worked for a couple hundred years now it seems to be yeah, keeping on, of a small crowd, but... Yeah, it also looks really cool, too. And it's got I mean, the Matt's artwork, as kind of though. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. So I wanted to start talking about Master Dong with a quote from The Power of Internal Martial Arts by B.K. Francis. He's got a couple paragraphs that sort of start off the history of Master Dong. He says, The actual origin of Bagua is obscure, and mainland China abounds with all sorts of popular histories of this complex martial art. There are claims that Bagua originated in this place or that place, but none of these accounts have been sufficiently substantiated to be considered fact. The author's Bagua teacher, Leo Hongjie, studied with a man named Ma Gui, who lived and studied with Dong Aichuan, the man who brought Bagua Zhang out of complete obscurity. So that's the connection he has there to, uh, you know, Ma Gui asked Dong, where did you learn it? And he said, Dong would never say where his art came from. Near the end of his life, he lived in Ma's house, And in all of the many conversations that the two men had, Ma tried but could never persuade Dong to reveal the origins of Bagua. Other Bagua elders, who had known original members of the Bagua school, confirmed reports of Dong's staunch silence on this matter. So basically, the origin story of Bagua is super mysterious. Nobody knows where Master Dong brought it from. And there's quite a few different speculations, but there's no agreed upon margin. yeah
0: well i mean you know that's sort of similar to tai chi too that there's a story but you don't really yeah. have any way to verify whether that daoist walked through a village and you know i mean it's sort of like
1: it's a good story but who right. knows? I mean there are a lot of similarities between founders of
0: martial arts right? yeah i mean that's that's one of those uh whatever foundational myths right you have to have some kind of like fanciful story about how the thing came to being in order to like make it special
1: right you know? and I give think... it that divine spark yeah the inspiration and... that created it so here's the next section he gives uh, just sort of dong's life okay dong Aichuan's own background is almost as cloudy as that of bagua itself it is known that he had studied many martial arts in his youth however there are many contradictory accounts about his activities between the period between his youth and his arrival in beijing Some stories have described him as being either a bandit, a murderer, a thief, a eunuch, or a pimp, while other tales depict him as having been a much more benevolent individual. Whatever his character, prior to his arrival in Beijing, he was apparently injured badly. Dong was supposed to have met a Taoist who helped him recover and proceeded to teach him Bagua. However, all that anyone seems to know for certain is that he appeared on the scene in Beijing, gained fame for his fighting ability, and passed on his Bagua to a relatively small number of students. 72 of whom are officially listed on his tombstone. So that's his life in a in a nutshell. A lot of possibilities there. A lot of mysteries. Right, I mean, again, it, it goes
0: to that thing of clearly there was, you know, something happened and he ended up learning some Taoist stuff and then somehow that got mixed with some martial arts stuff
1: and right. thus Bagua was born. You know? Right, but, and he showed up in Beijing <laughs> and gained fame for his fighting ability. And that's one thing the stories. No, never record any losses for Dong A Chuan. He seems to be uh, unbeaten in his, at least in the stories about him that go
0: around. Well, and you don't get to become the, you know, palace guard, you know, instructor, think, instructor, yeah. or whatever, if, without being reasonably good at something. For sure. So yeah.
1: But there's lots of legends. So, like thief, eunuch, murderer, pimp. Right. There's also (laughs) the one that he was
0: like a rebel. Right. A revolutionary as well. That was like posing as a eunuch. Right.
1: That's one of the stories as well. Yeah.
0: So, I think the big message there is nobody really knows (laughs) what the actual story is. Right.
1: And all that, that comes, you know, all the stories about him involve stories about how no one knows exactly where it comes and from. And it sounds
0: like he reinforced that a little bit, mm-hmm. too. Like, kind of, you know, maybe kind of encouraged Encourage a, the, myth. A, the myth a little bit. But
1: then again, if he was a murderer trying to escape charges, he'd have to fabricate a story. Right. He could I never mean, tell the real yeah, story. If you were right? wanted by the, by the man. Right. So, Although
0: there's some, that to me sounds a little, like, I figure by the time you get to being a eunuch in the palace, like, any of your past transgressions would have been forgiven, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say if you're undercover. Like, there's so many possibilities. It's just, right. in the, you know, yeah. All right, so now I wanted to pull a little more biographical information from uh, Kent Howard's translation of Wang Jin's book, uh, Bagua Linked Palms, and this translation published in 2009. So he says, It was not until the waning years of the Manchu dynasty And the efforts of Master Dong Aichuan, the Bhagwajang, became known to the common people. In the beginning, Master Dong taught only in the imperial palace. It was only in later years that he began accepting students from outside. From that time, however, his door was crowded with the disciples like a noisy market. Each of the disciples, in turn, helped Bhagwajang to flourish. I mean, he mentions disciples we've talked about, like Cheng Tinghua, Yin Fu, Li Tsunyi, and uh, Zhang Zhaodong. He mentions here that Dong Achen taught only in the imperial palace at first. But then in later years, after he retired from his job in the palace, he taught people, the general public. So there's two different sides to Dong Achen's teaching. Right, and 90% of what we know about is the after he left the palace. Right, that second period.
0: That's the... the, All of the Bagua Zhang that has come into existence
1: mostly has been from the after he left Mm -hmm. the palace. Because I like to think about, like, what... I've read a little bit about imperial lifestyle in the 1800s of China, but I, I just envision this opulent place which is full of palace intrigue and, you know, politics going back and forth and rich and powerful and also just the nature of the arts and the crafts and the craftsmanship are of the highest level in China, right? Like Damn. the artistic traditions going back thousand years of just the highest level of carving and just the most beautiful ornate place is how I, I picture that lifestyle. And that's where the founder of this martial art found himself, in the middle of this uh, wealthy just environment of just opulence. Which is hard to, hard to picture. It is said that Master Dong was born in Wenan County, in present-day Hebei Province. As a young man, he loved to gamble, and often got himself into trouble. Finally, he had to flee his home to live in the capital, Beijing. But being very poor and having no one to turn to, he soon decided to travel to the south and hide in the mountains. So something must have happened in Beijing and off he went to the mountains.
0: Right, I mean, that's that's the thief-pimp thief version of, question. Of, the, of his origins.
1: It says, you know, he found these Taoists. They asked young Master Dong his reasons for coming to the mountains. And liking his character and bearing, decided to accept him as a disciple, teach him martial arts, and transmit to him the Hello Classic, an ancient Taoist text. I haven't heard that one before. But some origin stories do include a magic book. You know, I think Xing Yi and and Tai Chi all, all have events where someone finds a like special book hidden in a statue or hidden in the I think in the salt uh, cask Yeah, like it's, yeah. I, mean, I think it goes to that piece about like, you know, you need a
0: you need a text to go along you need with some your, text with to go your along. foundational myth, right? So it's right. like you need some piece of written material, mm. either from you or from someone else, that says, "You know, these are the tenets of this art." Right. So, I mean, it, clearly, this this points to again that origins being connected to Taoist meditation, which is, you know, what mm. Bruce always says is that yeah. you know, most of this an intellectual meditative side, to right? This. That, that that the the martial art of Bagua mm. came from the you know, Taoist meditation work and that, you know, these are just applications of what you would do with that ability to change. Right. So Taoist meditation being about change and flow and all of this stuff. So then taking that concept and those energy principles and then applying it to some weird ass martial art that walks around in a circle, right. you know, it's like. Right.
1: All the stories he gets, he, he's taught by the guys in the mountains. But, I mean, he, you know, he probably knew something before. Right. Well, I think that's for sure. I mean,
0: and that's kind of where the what did he know and how, you know, that like there's different He had been involved
1: in fighting because he was badly wounded. Right. So So he's definitely a martial arts dude from day one. So the book goes on. The two venerable priests taught Master Dong a form of walking meditation that traversed a Bagua circle. They corrected his posture and movements and instructed him, saying, Practice this technique while circling this tree until the tree begins to pursue you. Then come report to us. You can feed yourself with food from the granaries and water from the stream. Master Dong was confused by their commands but did not dare to question them. He set about practicing, as he was instructed, and soon fell into a routine. Thus setting his mind at ease, he trained long and hard for seven years until he had worn a path three feet deep around the tree. Then one day he observed the tree begin to tremble and lean towards him, and he achieved sudden enlightenment. This was the fulfillment of the master's prediction that the tree would pursue him. So he carved a path three feet deep around the tree. So clearly Master Dong yeah. was practicing a lot of That's basketball. a lot of steps. <laughs> <laughs> and the tree fell over. Yeah, that could be the tree suddenly just collapses. He killed the tree. And it... But yeah, after seven years, he achieved some sort of creation. But again,
0: you know, yeah, it goes back to that thing of you need to have that moment where he, you know, sees the light, right? So it's like with Ueshiba uh, going to the mm-hmm. well or whatever, right? Like You, ever, you know, they all kind of have there's that There's a mystical thing breakthrough. kind of have... A, yeah, there's like a,
1: as they would say, come to Jesus moment. All right, just to keep the story going, he reported his breakthrough to his teachers who congratulated him on his progress and praised him as a worthy student. Then They then instructed him in a method of circling two trees by walking in figure eight. So he did this for another two years until these trees started pursuing him. His teachers again lauded him for his steadfast progress and asked if he was homesick. Dong admitted that he was. On hearing this, his masters praised him for not losing his human nature. They then taught him palm changes and weapons forms for the next two years. After that, they pronounced his skills complete. So they're saying it was about a
0: six-year thing, maybe? No, it was seven years around seven. the first tree, oh, then seven. two around the Jesus. next
1: trees. And then two more on weapons. All right. So, that's 10 yeah, years. About. 10
0: years of circling. That sounds about right. That
1: sounds about right. I mean,
0: I find that, that that's an interesting one because that one clearly like, you know, has the opinion that he had teachers who gave him assignments mm-hmm. and he followed those assignments. Right. And it was very, you know, strict as opposed to some of the other ones where were a little more amorphous and just, you know, he met right. a wandering Taoist who right. taught him some stuff. You know, it's like.
1: Yeah. It sounded like they had a whole program for him. Right. And the weapons is interesting, like, people will, like, we've often said, there's this meditative side that flowed into martial arts. Well, the meditator guys were weapon fighting, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys in the hills had to have fighting skill of some kind, but these guys were clearly, like, expert fighters.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the basic idea was, you know, you needed to have somebody to protect the monastery from bandits. Yeah, you can't go wandering around out there if if you're not armed. I mean, even, you know, the Buddhist monasteries had, you know, they... There's martial right. artists there, you know, for the same reason. So I think right. it's, yeah, you know, it stands to reason that, you know, they would at least have had some. Uh, I mean, I think back then, I think everybody had some knowledge of how to use a weapon. If because, you're going to
1: travel, you have no choice. It's like, or
0: just live, <laughs> you know, because I mean? it was <laughs> like, it was a pretty good chance that someone was going to
1: try to take your shit. Well, you know, back like, in the old days. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to picture, Yeah. All right. So, it, The two sages then bade their student farewell and directed him to leave the mountain and return to his village. But first, they instructed them that as he passed through cities and towns on the journey, he was supposed to stop and call on the local martial arts schools and accept any challenges that came his way. Mm. So, he did as he was told, competing with many boxers during his travels home and was victorious over all comers. With each successful match, the fame of his skills and techniques spread throughout the martial arts world.
0: Yeah, well, that you know, I mean, I guess that's how you get the job as being a, you know, palace mm-hmm. instructor. Is people start hearing about your yeah, skills? Yeah, and... his name's
1: starting to pick up some some place and pick up some steam on the streets. So this part of the story ends when Master Dong finally returned to his village. He found his ancestral home abandoned and his parents long dead. It is indeed true that the trees, the tree wishes to rest, but the wind is unceasing. The child longs to support his parents, but they are gone. He mourned his parents, paid his last respect to his ancestors, and left his home for the capital in hopes of establishing himself there. Next, we wanted to look a little deeper into the literary tradition surrounding Dong Aichuan. Now, one of the things I've noticed in our works is, like, there's no books by the founder of Bagua or his first couple students. The books all come, like, from the third generation that we've been talking about this season, right? Yes. Like, the son of Yin Fu, the... Um, Sun Lu Dong. Sun Lu Dong is a student of Chang Qing Tinghua. So, right. So the different books we've been looking at are always third hand. Now, apparently, in the 80s, at a certain point, some old manuscripts appeared that had been circulating privately among a couple of the Bagua schools in Beijing, um, and they introduced the idea of the 36 verses of Dong Aichuan's Bagua turning poems. And did you ever hear about the 36 songs and the 48 uh, verses? No, I I honestly didn't hear about him until Frank's book came out. Right. Uh, But I don't really pay attention. I mean, I think uh, Boggwajang Journal maybe mentioned them, but I don't think it was published in Boggwajang Journal. I don't think it actually... Maybe a couple little clips or like little excerpts. Yeah, I I think it was kind of, they weren't that well known quite yet. But since then, a number of schools have published them. Um, I've especially enjoyed Andrea Falk's book, Uh, Shadow on Fallen Blossoms, that... It goes into detail about all the different versions of it and the different, you know, way it's spoken uh, from 2017. Um, Great book. Super, super fun to read. Um, But anyways, she, 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 I'm going to quote something from here where she says, uh, It's originally thought that the person who wrote down the verses was Zhang Zhangqi. His birthday is 1862, so, you know, Civil War era, American Civil War, and he lives till 1951. He lives until the founding of the People's Republic. Amazing. What a lifetime. He is said to have compiled the teachings of Dong Aichuan into the 36 and 48 verses, putting Dong's words into a more organized format to preserve them. Zhang was a Manchurian scholar, a Blue Banner imperial relative. He was more educated than most Bhagwajang masters of this time and passed the imperial examinations at the provincial level. As is the story with many, he was sickly as a youth, and started Bagua training to strengthen himself, gradually becoming a healthy and strong master in his own right, with an excellent understanding of the theories and principles of Bagua. Zhang was Yin Fu's disciple, received pointers from Dong Aichuan himself, and was popular with the other masters who were willing to help him. He was also said to have had a wide knowledge and a good memory, which made him the perfect receptacle to compile the verses.
0: Hmm. So mm-hmm. he's kind of like there. the scholar of the Yeah.
1: Group. yeah. He's like the—he's not listed on the disciples list. Exactly. Very well, I mean, not the top three or whatever. We mm. often see Iron Arms Lee Ma Gui like the top disciples of Yin Fu. Men I've Men never heard his him. name till just now, right? <laughs> and so he's just one of those guys that he was in the group. You just never heard of him, yeah. you know. There's there's probably like nine of those guys for every one of the famous guys, right? But I thought that was cool. He's like a hidden Bago master, and it sounds like he was another one of these guys who you know, started with Yin Fu and mm-hmm. then graduated to. Dong. Hmm. Uh, you're right, because there's example after example of like a guy will start with his own teacher, and then his teacher will introduce him to the next guy up, an uncle or his or his right. Grand and I, th-
0: I think Yin Fu was did that the most. It mm. seems like you know he did it with uh, his cousin or something mm. like that. He did it with this guy. He did Magui, it with Magui, yeah. So, so
1: his like, students had access to Dong <clears throat> Aichuan, and I think they more would go maybe more out. so than you know later. Right. Yin Fu being the longest uh, disciple, maybe he had the longest relationship with Master Dong. And I'm guessing just as Dong got older, he didn't. He wanted you know, he didn't want to teach as many people, so Could be. Know, kind of just. One last thing from Andrea here: Are the verses legitimate words from Dong Ai Chuan and the first generation masters? Question mark. I think so. The verses feel traditional. They are not particularly organized in a methodological way, from simple to complex or anything like that. There are, du- there are duplications in content between the 36 and 48. The traditional learning is working things out for yourself, not having them presented in too orderly a fashion. Um, the verses often refer to fighting against weapons, as if weapons involved were not firearms, which suggests that they are based on early oral instructions. The verses give specific instructions for the structure, feeling, techniques, applications, tactics, use of power, and training methods of Baguazhang, But they do not contain any non-practical theory. They are specific enough to explain the unique flavor of Baguajang in general enough that most instructions apply to all of its branches. The verses do not give away any secrets. They do not describe circle walking in any detail. So those are some of her comments there that I think are, are telling. Like she's like, this could very well be at least a few, you know, people down the line from Master Dong, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah, I mean But who knows?
0: Well, I would I would guess that it's most likely his students summarizing what he said right like that maybe not in a you know verbatim quote but like you know the way i would say that you know bruce always says from posture to posture the internal energy is unbroken or something like that he rarely actually says those words in class but that's the phrase that he uses to describe that principle you know so you you'll kind of that type of thing where i think it's like you know we don't May not be the exact verbs, right? Right, they, but but it, it's a it's a literary version of what he said, right? So you you know this guy probably cleaned it up a little bit, mm-hmm. made it more. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: they're in rhymes. They're in uh, seven lines with rhymes in a certain scheme, right? So, so he, make them easier to memorize. So he put it into like a a common format, or right? Whatever, The like. way you could sing it and memorize the poems and like refer to them.
0: Yeah, but that I mean that's a like they have that with. Shingi, they have the yeah. Tai Chi song. That's yeah, think yeah. he's just kind of saying, "Okay, we need you know we need our own version of, mm. of the Tai Chi classics mm. or whatever, right?" Mm-hmm. So it's attempting to, and it's
1: it's kind of vague, so it doesn't really. In, all the Bagua schools can all use it because it sounds you know right. It, well, I mean, vague if, enough to fit yeah. for everyone.
0: I mean, at that point, there was only one Bagua school, right? True. So, I mean, he, he didn't have to think right. about it in those terms. Even if it right. was in the you know, 1930s, it would still right. be that many different groups, right? right. it's still... Um, if he was born in 1860s, almost as old as Donghai Hai Chuan. Right. So, I mean,
1: he's, you know, he's a uh, contemporary, contemporary right? Right? Yeah. He's not, a, not a, you know. But he's educated. I doubt Dong was literate, right? Most people weren't in that time. Well, that's,
0: yeah, that's where I think maybe he was the, you know, he was the most educated guy of the group and so was then either chosen or volunteered to write it down. Right. I mean, Bruce says the sort of the same thing about Leo J, right? That he was part of the reason he... um, was able to help out Liu Jinglin and stuff was supposedly Liu, Liu Jinglin was illiterate mm. and Liu Hongjie was able to like, you know, help write him his write his letters. And, and then later when he, um, again, this is all hearsay, but he, when he lived with Wu Jinchuan, that he mm. wrote, uh, Wu Jianchuan dictated and, mm. and Liu Hongjie wrote it down. So I don't know. To make it, the gold to book. To make the gold book. Yeah. I think there is a tradition of, you know, if you have a scholar in your group, you kind of rope them into mm-hmm. being the guy who writes it down. Right. And that's probably why there are so few Bagua books is because mm-hmm. most of those guys weren't scholars. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they didn't until like, again, like you said, until a couple of generations later. But these early guys, they were fighters. They were, you know, they weren't sitting around writing books. They were out there in the fields training no, and every, kicking ass. You know? Caravan
1: guarding is, doesn't you know, lend itself to book writing probably. So there's these, all these verses. So I picked out a few that we were just going to look at and check out and see if we can make heads or tails of what they're talking about. So I'm going to pull it from The Whirling Circles of Bhagwajang by Frank Allen and Tina Zhang from uh, 2007. So their translation, I'm going to pick from the uh, 48 methods, the secret rhymed formula methods of Bhagwajong's fighting application. So here's the first one. Check this out. Hands and footwork must be coordinated. Not enough power if the steps are slower than the hands. Without waist power, you have only hands and feet. Then it's difficult to quickly advance and retreat. So there you go. So what is that saying? Hands and footwork must be coordinated. I mean, mean, what's there to say? From posture to posture,
0: the internal energy is unbroken, right? It's that. Right. But you can't
1: freeze in place and punch. You have to move. Feet and hands go together, kind of.
0: Right. Well, it's that integrated you know, whole body movement Mm, type of thing that, you know, you're not just moving your arms and legs, that
1: everything is moving together as you walk. Right. The steps can't be slower than the hands. And that reminds me of that slogan where you kick with your hands or whatever, like your feet are the driver of Bagua. So every step you take is driving the attacks you're going to make. Well, and and it's,
0: it's like when, if you stop your feet and you punch, right, then you're your punch ends up in way in front of your feet, as opposed to if you're walking with your hand out Mm -hmm. in the air and a fist, it's basically going to stay in front of you and just
1: move forward. So then the third line mentions waist power. And as a fan of like doing the swings and sort of loose arm swinging and stuff, that's a, that's a lifesaver right there. Waist power. you Turn your waist and whip your arms. You can do a lot more than just punching can.
0: Yeah, well, waste power is, I mean, that's kind of the hallmark of all the internal martial arts, I think, as opposed to, you know, arm power. All right, well, that's good for now. Hey, folks, uh, thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Check out the Instagram for images to go along with the episodes. Uh, Check out the Patreon for the entire Spiraling Energy Body series that we just did. Uh, There's a couple of clips of it on YouTube,
1: our YouTube channel, so you can check that out. All right, take care. Thanks for listening and be well.